Matthew chapter 8, 14 through 17. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Today we're in Matthew chapter 8. You can turn there in your Bibles, uh, your home Bibles. Uh, or you can flip there on your phone, or you can click on a website. Uh, one of the things uh, this whole pandemic, uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, got me thinking about is uh, just the different times throughout church history uh, that we've experienced plagues. Uh, and the plague, one of the uh, early ones in the life of the church, actually hit Rome uh, from about 249 to 262 AD. That doesn't mean it hit it like one year in that span. That means the plague lasted from 249 to 262 AD, 13 years. Our pandemic has been about a week and a half and we're already going a little crazy. And they didn't have Netflix, they didn't have Amazon Prime, but we have those things. I can't imagine what that is like. Uh, but historians have studied this plague and it was bad. It was real bad. Uh, I don't want to describe like the gory details, but if you Google the plague of Cyprian, uh, you can read all the details. And I know you have the internet because you're watching me, so you can look it up there. But it killed about 5,000 people a day at its height. The city of Alexandria in Egypt declined from 500,000 people to 190,000 people. Uh, church records say it was kind of like Ebola. It might have been a form of that. Uh, so it, it was not an easy time, and Christians were not um, miraculously spared from this plague. They died as well. Uh, but during this time, they were actually to, able to do ministry and to care for others. And there's a, a leader of the church at the time, uh, Dionysius. He wrote how Christians loved others and cared for the needy, even at steep cost to themselves. I'm going to read you what he wrote. He says, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the disease drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Many in nursing and curing others transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. They loved each other and they loved others so much they were willing to die in their places. They were caring for the sick. Why in the world would they do that? What could possibly motivate them to love each other, to love others at cost to their own lives? I think there's only one person, and we're going to be talking about him today. See, this plague 
it was hard. It was much different. They didn't have doctors and nurses and modern medical systems and sterile environments and face masks and aprons and toilet paper. We, we used to have toilet paper. Uh, they didn't have any of these modern miracles. Uh, and yet, they went out there and served others. They put themselves at risk because they had Jesus. They had Jesus, and more importantly, Jesus had them. They had Jesus, and Jesus had them. And this is the key of why they were not afraid. And why you and I, if we have Jesus and Jesus has us, we don't need to be afraid either. See, I want to tell you something today that Jesus is over. Jesus is over. Jesus is over all plagues, all sickness, all disease. Jesus is over everything. He is ruling. He is reigning. He is the high king. He is the high king of kings. He is ruling over pandemics, disease, virus, and plague. And the early Christians knew that nothing falls outside the authority of Jesus Christ and the will of him. And so they knew that whether they lived or they died, they were secure because they were in Jesus. Jesus was over them and their lives. And so I want to show you this from the scripture because the scripture is God's word. God's word can speak to us in any moment, at any time in our deepest need. Because God's word has eternal authority, eternal power. And so I want to read from Matthew chapter 8. And Monica read some of the verses here, but I actually want to start at the beginning of the chapter. Because it's just a beautiful passage about how God, through Christ Jesus, is over all plagues. Uh, and all illnesses. So Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 3 say this. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Uh, this is right after a sermon on the mount. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So this man, uh, he wasn't able to be a part of those crowds who heard Jesus, but maybe he was standing in the distance. Maybe he was standing there and listening, and he knew that there was something special about Jesus. You can read that sermon in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, but he knew there was something powerful about him. And he'd been hearing these rumors of Jesus performing miracles and healing people. And so he asks him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. See, his, his skin disease was horrible, but he knew that Jesus had the power through his will, that Jesus was over his leprosy. Today we call it Hansen's disease. It was awful. It was in the skin. It killed your nerves. And yet the leper knew that Jesus was over this. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus hears his faith and Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus touched him. <laughs> We're afraid to touch each other today. And immediately, it says immediately, so not, not like one week from now when he kind of got over his leprosy. <laughs> not one month later when he had seen the doctor. Immediately, instantaneously, he was healed of his leprosy. Jesus had power over this man's leprosy. There's a lesson for us in this, and that's this, that nothing is going to happen outside of Jesus' will. And so we don't need to be afraid. See, we live in a world that's uh, contaminated that's contaminated and broken by sin. Because the very uh, first human representatives, Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. They chose to do life their way instead of God's way. 
You maybe have heard the story of how the serpent tempted Eve and she ate of the apple and gave it to her husband, Adam, and he ate of it. And that doesn't seem like a big deal, but, the big, but it is a big deal because they were saying, Lord, we're going to do things our way instead of your way. And then all of creation became corrupted. It was still good, but it was, became corrupted and fallen like a virus had entered into creation. And that virus is still affecting all of us, all of creation, and it's affecting your heart. It's affecting my heart. That sin and that brokenness has entered me. And how I know is because I'm afraid, (laughs) because I fear, because I'm anxious. I can sense the power and the reality of sin and this brokenness in our very world. And so I need Jesus. I I need him to come and give me hope, to give me confidence. And Jesus does. Jesus provides a way for us to to flourish and have confidence, even in moments like this, through a relationship with Christ Jesus, through knowing him as our Lord and our Savior. It's amazing how in times of crisis, in times of pandemics, uh, 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 believers, Christians, have had such confidence in Jesus and who he is that has changed the way they have behaved. As Christians suffer and die, uh, and serve others in the midst of it and put others ahead of themselves, Christianity actually grows. And you, you're not going to find that in like a church growth book, right? Like 10 principles for growing your church. Number one, pray for a pandemic. Uh, pray for a plague to take out half your members. I, as a pastor, am not praying that poor. Uh, so I don't, I would never do that. This is confusing, but it's also reassuring. Maybe you're asking, well, like, why does God allow these things to happen? God doesn't tell us, but he does tell us that he's good and that he's going to work through these bad things. That he is going to somehow redeem this moment. This COVID-19 is somehow going to bring about his kingdom, and he is good. And so we can trust in him. We don't need to be afraid. I was reading a lot this week about church history, but also just running into different blog posts. And I read about a father in Australia. Austria. And uh, on Wednesday, March 11th, he posted... Uh, from a rural community in Austria, and he shared how he had gotten a phone call from his local health department. And they had called to tell him that one of his 14-year-old son's classmates had a confirmed case of COVID-19, and that they had to quarantine their son for two weeks. Man, 14 years old, quarantined for two weeks, that's tough. Uh, I can't imagine getting that phone call. Uh, And that must have been a hard call to hear. And when his when the, when the dad and the mom told their son uh, that he had to be quarantined in his room for two weeks, uh, he, he said this. He said, Mom, Dad, we're going to pray this one out. We're going to pray this one out, and everything is going to be okay. Man, I want that kind of response in my heart. When you know that nothing is going to happen outside of Jesus' will, it gives you peace. So we need to know this, that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is, is Lord of sickness, and he's also Lord in health. Andy shared some worship songs that we can sing together after the service. One of them is, Blessed Be Your Name. And it, it talks about, blessed, best, blessed be your name, God, when the times are good, and everything's going my way. But blessed be your name, Lord, even when things are rough, and even when things aren't going my way. Jesus is Lord in sickness and in health. And we find this in the next story in Matthew chapter 8. See, there's a centurion, so there was a leper, now there's a centurion, uh, different people, 
And he comes to Jesus or sends messengers to him. There's a couple different accounts in the Gospels. Uh, but he's a centurion. A centurion is in charge of 100 Roman soldiers. So this is a man who has authority and who is powerful. Uh, he has the right of life and death in many situations. Uh, and he sends uh, to Jesus a request. He asks him to heal his servant. And Jesus says, do you want me to come to you? Do you want me to come and heal your, uh, your servant? And the centurion says this. He says, you don't need to come to me. He says, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. The centurion doesn't even address Jesus by name. He says, Lord, Curios. Uh, how would you uh, address your master, right? Uh, this word curios was a word for master. It could also mean sovereign, like a king, or it could mean a deity, like God. And, and I don't know about you, but there's no like boss or master or uh, sovereign king uh, in this world who can heal uh, disease with just a word spoken from his mouth. See, the centurion understood something about Jesus, that he was part of a divine order. That he was, in fact, God himself. See, God can speak and sickness flees. He's saying Jesus is Lord of sickness and health. Jesus is God. And that's a startling revelation because we need to ask ourselves, do we believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe that he is Lord? Because that's what it all comes down to if we want hope and if we want peace. If you don't, maybe you're wandering through this pandemic and you're kind of afraid, you're kind of a, uh, fearful. And, and there's, there's something that's normal about that, but it doesn't have to be that way. So you can be confident that if you trust in Jesus, God will use even this situation for your good. And so you're, maybe you're wondering, well, how can I trust in him? Well, like the centurion, it just comes to believing that Jesus is God and that he came to do the things uh, in the Bible, that he came to do the things he said he came to do. And then he came to forgive us of our sins, to deal with that virus. And so we just admit that like, we're broken and we need a healer. We need a savior. And that's Christ Jesus. Jesus is Lord in sickness and in health. Uh, in 1854, there was an, another major kind of pandemic. Uh, there was a major cholera outbreak in London. Uh, now, London is where the famous preacher Charles Spurgeon uh, served as pastor. Uh, he was visiting the sick and doing funerals every day. He was really there in London. Uh, and he was even struggling with his own fear about getting sick. But God gave him confidence. But he, he, as he went about, he wrote of one young woman who was dying. Uh, but she did so trusting Jesus, Jesus. And this is his description of her death. He says, I went home and was soon called away again. That time to see a young woman. She was also, she was also was in the last extremity, but it was a fair, fair sight. She was singing, though she knew she was dying, and talking to those round about her, telling her brothers and sisters to follow her to heaven. 
bidding goodbye to her father and all the while smiling as if it had been her marriage day. She was happy and blessed. Wow. That does not make sense unless you know that Jesus is Lord in sickness and in health. And nothing or anyone is going to take him, uh, take us out of his hand. Nothing is going to happen apart from his will. So the only way to have true peace under plague is to, to know that Jesus is over plague. So I want to put an idea in your head. And maybe you never thought of this, but maybe you have. Maybe it's been on like the edge of your heart, the edge of your mind, that Jesus is allowing this pandemic to mess up your life. Well, gee, thanks, right? I don't want Jesus to mess up my life with this pandemic. But what if Jesus is allowing this pandemic uh, to put you in your home, to, to remove the distractions, uh, to, except for Netflix, you can't really get rid of that. <laughs> he's removing the distractions. He's taking away the busyness so that you can stop and consider if Jesus really is God and there really is something to uh, the, the words of the scripture. To stop and listen and, and to think that maybe there's something spiritual going on here. See, that maybe Jesus is using this pandemic to touch your heart. I really believe that. that maybe Jesus is using this pandemic to reach out and touch our hearts. See, the story of the leper and the story of the centurion, they lead up to today's story. They lead up to today's passage. See, Jesus comes into one of the disciples' home, Peter's. Uh, he's one of the twelve. And he touches Peter's mother-in-law, who is sick with a fever, and he heals her. And I don't want to miss that maybe he even touched something that deeper than just her skin. See, he hasn't just made her body well, he's made her spirit well, he's made her soul well. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. Now, people believed about fevers at that time that fevers uh, were contagious, right? So you could touch uh, a fever and that fever could come to you. And so they didn't really want to touch uh, uh, people that had fevers. But just like Jesus touched the leper, and now he touches uh, Peter's mother-in-law, he's not afraid of touching her. That, that, that just is, um, that must have gone straight to her heart. That must have gone straight to her heart because we can see that what does she do? She, she gets up, she begins to serve Jesus. She begins to love Jesus. Now, some people love each other by saying, I love you, and other people love each other by serving each other and doing things for each other. And this woman gets up, and begins to serve Jesus, to love him by doing what she does best. Maybe she's cooking here. Maybe she's getting him something to drink. She's probably getting everything ready for him. Just so grateful for what he has done for her life. See, Jesus touches her. Touches her skin, but really touches her heart. And it, and it transforms her life. It opens her up to, to, to Jesus as her Savior, as her King. And so I want us to think maybe God is trying to open up our hearts during this pandemic, during COVID-19, during the cholera outbreak uh, that, uh, uh, that Spurgeon experienced, there was a man who used to mock him, to make fun of him and for his Christianity and for his beliefs, for his faith in Jesus. And one morning at 3 a.m., he called upon Spurgeon to come because uh, he was sick and he was dying. See, something about sickness and disease made him realize, man, I got to get real. I got to get serious about this relationship with my creator, with my God. Maybe there's something to this. Maybe I can't just chance my afterlife, my eternity uh, to uh, just a flip of the coin. 
Maybe I have to have a plan here. And so he called on Spurgeon, and Spurgeon got to him. By the, by the time Spurgeon got to him, he had already lost his mind. And he died. And I don't want that to be us. Right? I don't want us, even if we don't uh, die or, or uh, 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 perish because of this epidemic, I don't want us to um, perish in the busyness of life. That when things go back to normal, we just ignore God. And we just say, you know what, I'm done with that. I'm going to go back to my business, to my hobbies, to my passions. Jesus is trying to get a hold of our hearts. I beg you, please let Jesus get a hold of your heart. He offers eternal safety through a relationship with him. See, Jesus is Lord of the physical and the spiritual. There is a connection between the physical and the spiritual. Look at the absolute power that Jesus displays as he heals people, but also as he casts out demons. Matthew 8.16 says this, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. Maybe you're thinking, I'm a spiritual person, I'm, but I'm not interested in religion. Well, I'm not interested in religion either. And Jesus isn't interested in that. He's interested in changing people's lives by transforming them spiritually and physically. He casts out the demons. See, he is Lord of everything. He is Lord of all spiritual reality. Uh, and he invites us to be in relationship with him, to let him heal us, to cast out our demons, to deal with our, our deepest, darkest sins, those things that we don't want anyone to see. Jesus wants to deal with those. He wants to heal us. Now, I don't know if, if you're going to get sick during this time or not. I just got over a cold. <laughs> I don't know if Jesus is going to miraculously heal people that come down with uh, the coronavirus. He does have the power to do that. And I pray that he would do that uh, for you as you come to, come to him. But we do know that Jesus absolutely can heal uh, spiritually and does to any that, uh, that put their faith and trust in him. He speaks a word and someone is healed. He speaks a word and demons flee. Do you see the absolute power, the absolute over position of Jesus Christ? That he is over everything and so we can trust in him? See there, Jesus is over all plagues, but there is one plague he is most interested in healing. See, Jesus came to heal your plague. Jesus came to heal my plague. Jesus willingly bore our sin, the ways we disobey God, and break his creation and act like a virus in his creation, and we all know it. Jesus offers us forgiveness and healing, and he wants to transform our lives and transform our world. The way we hurt each other, the way we take advantage of each other, Jesus came to bear those sins. Our passage, Matthew chapter 8, points right to it. Verse 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Jesus came to heal disease, but that's not all he came to do. There's this prophet that lived about 700 years before Jesus. In fact, we have manuscripts that he, uh, of his writing that are, are 200 years before the lifetime of Jesus Christ. And in this book, and you can even find it in these passages that predate the life of Jesus Christ, in Isaiah chapter 52 and chapter 53, we find this beautiful prophecy of a coming servant, of a suffering servant who is going to bear our iniquities, bear our sins and our suffering. I want to read two of those verses for you, verses 4 and 5 from Isaiah chapter 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. 
Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are healed. See, the prophet Isaiah isn't just talking about physical flesh wounds. The reason Jesus healed those people, the leper and the servant uh, and Peter's mother-in-law, was so that we could know that he is God and has the ability to heal our hearts, to heal our sins, and to heal our brokenness. And he believes uh, in restoring all things, including the physical. And one day he's going to restore everything. But first he wants to deal with our sins. He wants us to come to him and ask for forgiveness. And see, Jesus had to pay a steep price to forgive us. He had to go to the cross. See, when you encounter something like COVID-19, when you encounter Ebola or the plague, you don't play with it. You don't mess around with it. You kill it. And that's what Jesus had to do. He bore our sin on the cross, and then he died to put our sin to death. And if that was the end of the story, then we would be out of luck. But the good news is, the gospel news is that Jesus rose again. That three days later, uh, that we celebrated Easter, Jesus rose from the grave in victory over sin and over death. He had fully paid for our pandemic, for the disease of our heart, so that you and I can have new hearts, new hearts that are pure in Christ Jesus. Jesus offers us eternal life if only we'll come to him and say we're sorry and we believe in him and give our lives to him. Jesus is, a, Jesus is over all things. He's over all plagues. But he did that by first coming under our plague. Jesus came under and then God raised him so that he was over. Jesus came under our plagues and now he rules over all plagues. This is the God we believe in, a God who humbled himself and deserves our praise, deserves our worship. <laughs> who would ever do that? Put yourself underneath? See, we would do that. We do that as we follow after our King Jesus. We come under now because he is over. And this isn't natural. We don't naturally do this. We only do it because Jesus did it. We come under because he is over. See, our neighbors need us right now. They're scared. They're terrified. They don't know what they're going to do without Tom Brady <laughs> or their toilet paper. And Jesus calls us to love them and encourage them. Just like Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law and it changed her life, now she got up and she began to serve others. We've been healed by Jesus. We've been healed of our pandemics, of our brokenness, of our sin, and now it's our turn to love others and to care for them. I want to tell you about one more plague. Uh, in 1857, there was a black plague uh, that struck Wittenberg, Germany. This is where the theologian Martin Luther... 1527, my wife just corrected my, uh, <laughs> my date. 1527, not 1857. Uh, 1527, the black plague struck uh, Wittenberg, Germany, where the theologian Martin Luther uh, was pastoring and living. Uh, and he lived there with his wife and family, and his wife Catherine was pregnant with her second child. But instead of fleeing their community and leaving, he wrote on why a believer should stay and help others. He said this, he says, Yes, no one should dare leave his neighbor, 
unless they, there are others who will take care of the sick in their stead and nurse them. In such cases, we must respect the word of Christ. I was sick, and you did not visit me. According to this passage, we are bound to each other in such a way that no one may forsake the other in his distress, but is obliged to assist and help him as he himself would like to be helped. Now, if you think this means like we just need to show up at each other's door, at our neighbor's door, knock on them and give them a big hug, that's not what Martin Luther is suggesting, and that's not what I am suggesting. We still need to practice good health practices, but maybe by the, practicing those good health practices that we can love each other. Uh, Luther wrote this too. He said, this, is, uh, this was going around Facebook virally. Uh, uh, it said, uh, he said, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance infect and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God wished to take me, he will surely find me, and I, have done what has, and I have done what he has expected of me, and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely. So as Christians, we are to love our coworkers, our neighbors, our classmates, and complete strangers during this time, by practicing good health practices, washing our hands, social distancing, self-quarantining. But we are also to be willing to risk ourselves for others, for those in need. And so I don't know exactly what that looks like. Uh, the Holy Spirit will have to be speaking to you in your heart. Maybe it looks like a coworker comes down with COVID-19 and so you drop off a meal on their door uh, or you help them out in some other way. Maybe it looks like a neighbor who becomes sick and they can't watch their kids. So you bring their kids in knowing that maybe their kids are contaminated, but I'm going to watch these kids because I need to love them. Maybe it just looks like caring for others in need some other way. And maybe the Lord's not asking you to put your life on the line, although I think the scriptures call us to that, but he's asking you to risk something. It's a temptation to just self-isolate. To, to, to embrace the quarantine, to shut ourselves off from the world. I think Jesus calls us to risk our time, to risk our time by calling or texting or messaging or emailing our friends, our neighbors, church members, each other, and just checking in on each other, seeing how they're doing. You can call a church member and then call a friend. Uh, check in with them. Maybe you need to risk your paycheck. Maybe um, you know someone who, you know, their job was dependent on an hourly wage, and so you write them a check. Or uh, if you work with them and, and you don't need that time, you give your time to them. I have a friend who has done that. How might we wisely risk ourselves for each other during this time? We don't want to just hole up and shut up or shut out the world uh, until this whole thing is over. Luther has one more word for us. <clears throat> If Christ shed his blood for me and died for me, why should I not expose myself to some small dangers for his sake and disregard this feeble plague? If you can terrorize, Christ can strengthen me. If you can kill, Christ can give life. If you have poison in your fangs, Christ has far greater medicine. Martin Luther really believed this, and it really cost him something. He had loved ones, he had people that he knew that died. Jesus told us in John chapter 15, greater love has no one than this, 
to lay down one's life for one's friend. That is the way of Jesus. And that is what Christianity is. Christ is over COVID-19 in all things, all pandemics, all sickness, all disease, all brokenness. But first he brought himself under. He brought himself under our sin to heal our sin. He died to give us eternal life. He sacrificed himself to rescue us. Now we go and do likewise. We come under because he is over. Christ Jesus is over all things, even the coronavirus. May we be encouraged. May we be challenged. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that Jesus is ruling and reigning over all things. Lord, we need you in this time. We need you to encourage our hearts and then to speak through us, to encourage others around us. We need you to give us the strength to sacrifice for each other, whether that's financially or with our time or even putting ourselves at risk, but doing so wisely, Lord. We want to trust Jesus. We want to know him. We want to be willing to sacrifice for others. Lord, I thank you for everyone who tuned in today, whether... They're part of Cornerstone, Cornerstone normally, or they are uh, uh, just checking in, just a visitor uh, through our Facebook live stream. Thank you for everyone who chose to be a part of our community this morning. Lord, would you bless them? Would they sense your presence today and through this week? And would we be able to gather together uh, and do some community even as we are apart? Lord, I love you. We love you. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I give the benediction, benediction just means uh, blessing. Uh, now that there are, are, the sermon has been posted to our, our website, and there are some discussion questions at the end of the sermon, so you can go there and you can read through the discussion questions with your family or your friends and discuss them, maybe over the phone or in person if they're, you're already with them, uh, and just continue the conversation because this is a big conversation. Uh, and so uh, may it be an encouragement to you and, and a challenge. Thank you for coming. Thank you for gathering. Uh, let me bless you in your homes. Our blessing today, our benediction comes from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Uh, may you be blessed today and may you be encouraged. And I think we're going to be doing this next week at 10, 15 a.m. I hope that you will tune in again. God bless.